the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, tonight we are going to venture into the third chapter of First Timothy. And uh, the third chapter of First Timothy is all about the qualifications of a leader in the church. And they go by many names. We'll talk about that later. But in essence, it's talking about pastors and deacons. And that's something that most of us can relate to. And one of the things I want you to see about this, which... You can get into this and read past it and not really capture it. And that is the care of the father. You know, I can remember going to my dad sometimes and saying, you know, dad, I really messed this up. I went about this all the wrong way. You know, can you tell me how I can not make that mistake again? Well, they weren't asking that question, but that's what the father was doing. Through the spirit of God, through the pen of Paul, he's saying, look, guys, Y'all have made a royal mess of this. Now I'm going to lay it out for you. I'm going to show you how you can have a structure, an order that will help protect you if you're yielded to the Spirit of God and people walk in obedience to truth. This will not only help protect you, but it will minister to you. It'll be a blessing to you. Because I've given roles to these people. And... You'll remember, as we come through Timothy, you'll remember the context. And the context is very important. Otherwise, you think that this is just something Paul's randomly sticking in there. No, the context is that we've got a church here that's kind of gone off the rails. They have entered into carnality. Their leadership is both carnal and heretical. And Paul, after a layover in Roman prison, he comes up to this church to a church that he's ministered there for three years with Timothy, and he sees the mess that's laid out there, and he is just absolutely heartbroken. First thing he does is he casts out two of the church leaders, Amenius and Alexander. He casts them out, and he begins the work of purging the church, and he says, you know what, Timothy, I'm going to leave you here as the pastor leader of this church so that you can begin the work of bringing them back into truth. And Timothy had his hands full. So we're going to be looking at what he wrote about the order of the church. 
The other thing I want you to recognize that the way they got into this mess was they neglected faith. We talked about this. They embraced a man-centered gospel. And you remember we talked and, and when we validate our relationship with God via our soul, that is our mind, will, and emotions, we have stepped away from faith. Because faith stands in the truth regardless of what your mind, will, and emotions may be doing. It stands in the truth of who you are. It stands in the truth of what God has put in you. Now, a man-centered gospel is popular because it's based on what we feel. It's based on what we understand. It's based on what we can do. Its height and its depth and its limit is the height and depth and limit of flesh. So it's, it's popular. And religious people will embrace a man-centered religion because they can wrap their lives around it. They can feel righteous. They can feel like they have credibility in their, in their profession. But that's not the way God intended us to live. So they had embraced a man-centered religion. And when you embrace a man-centered religion, and when you embrace knowing God according to the flesh, then that's where heresy is birthed. Because we begin twisting what's written in the Word of God in order to suit man. We begin to adjust Scripture and change it up so that it suits man's sensibilities. We see that in our society today. That's where heresy is born. And Paul encountered that in Ephesus. So, Paul left Timothy at the church to lead them back to truth and establish a godly structure of leadership. To replace a leadership that had been corrupted with carnal men and women. It's also important to note that these carnal leaders who were in power weren't in power because they forced themselves on the people. They were in power because the people embraced them. You see, here's the thing. I've heard many people blame where a church is on their pastor. And so the reason that church is so far off is because of the pastor. I want to tell you that the reason the pastor is able to maintain that is because the people's hearts are in agreement with him. So carnality is infectious. And when it begins in the people of God, they'll choose a leader who will go along with it. And when they did that, it was devastating to the believers in Ephesus. Because unlike the religious climate that we're in today, there's not a church on every corner. These believers in Ephesus had basically become societal outcasts. So it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, First Baptist didn't treat me right. I'll go down to the First Church of the Holy Roller and I'll go down there and, and worship. You can't do that there because there's one body. There's one place. And, they, and that one place now was, had become a corruption. And they, like lemmings, had aligned themselves with it. And this is why Paul was so, so vehement about straightening this out. Because they had the truth, but they didn't recognize it. They had departed from it. This assembly had begun to change, and it wasn't what the Holy Spirit through Paul had established. Now, the Spirit of God is going to reclaim His body, and it begins by drawing the people back to truth and purging the body of that heretical leadership. And we can assume that whatever criteria these believers had for leadership, it was fairly carnal and weak, or these guys would have never gotten into power. So Paul is establishing criteria for leadership. 
And here's the thing you're going to notice, and I want you to look closely as we go through it, that you cannot meet that criteria in the flesh. You cannot. It was not written for someone who is determined to walk according to the flesh. It was written for someone who is yielded to the Spirit of God. That is the difference between what they had and where Paul wanted to take them. This criterion describes a person who's walking by the Spirit. It's clearly a spiritual calling. And as I've, as I've said before, if you were called to Christ, you're called to the ministry of Christ. And not every child of God is called vocationally to the ministry of Christ, but every child of God is called to live out of that life that is within them, to express the fruit of the vine, to be the Word become flesh. Every child of God is called to that. Religion has institutionalized ministry, and it's become something we do rather than who we are, and that's what had happened in that church. Being called should be a revelation of the new heart that beats in every child of God. It's not a matter of ability because it's not a work of flesh. When we we break the criterion down to credentials and ability, then what we've done is we've set an image of flesh before the people and said, meet the image and you're our man. You know, I was on a pastor search committee, so I know how these things run. Okay, and it's real easy because you start you start out with this list of what you want, what the church would like to have, what kind of man and what what it departs down to, because people are so frail in their faith, they would rather rely upon written externals than the sense of the spirit of God concerning an individual. And so what ends up happening is we get a guy that's got all the right credentials, but he's not living according to the truth. He is living religiously according to the flesh. But he checks all the boxes. And the people got said, well, this guy, he's dynamic, he's good looking, his wife's good looking, his kids look like they might be well behaved. You know, he's got a degree, he's got all those things, and he is well spoken I mean, he, he can articulate really well. And he'll pull the young people in. I've heard that. He'll pull the young people in. He'll attract the, you know, the, the new families. This guy has got it going on. What is the criteria we're using here? All of it is according to the flesh. Every single bit of it. Well... The Spirit of God lays out some externals, but those externals can only be given, can only be expressed as they match the heart of the individual who's expressing them. And that's what he's lining out before them. We need men of God who are set apart, who stand in the truth, who articulate the truth, but who are speaking from the life within, not from the book in front of them. From the life within. Today we're going to look at verses 1 through 13 in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to begin by reading the text. And if you have your Bibles, and you should, uh, please read along with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. If any man eagerly seeks the office of overseer, bishop, superintendent, and he desires an excellent task. 
Now, an overseer must be blameless and beyond reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, not a bully, nor quick-tempered and hot-headed, but gentle and considerate, free from the love of money, not greedy for wealth and its inherent power, financially ethical. He must manage his household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity, keeping them respectful and well-behaved. For if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And he must not be a new convert, so that he will not behave stupidly and become conceited by appointment to this high office, and fall into the same condemnation incurred by the devil for his arrogance and pride. And he must have a good reputation, and be well thought out by those outside the church, so that he will not be discredited and fall into the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise... Must be men worthy of respect, honorable, financially ethical, of good character, not double-tongued, speakers of half-truths, not addicted to wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, but upholding and fully understanding the mystery, that is, the true doctrine of the Christian faith with a clear conscience, resulting from behavior consistent with spiritual maturity. These men must first be tested... Then, if they are found to be blameless and beyond reproach in their Christian lives, let them serve as deacons. Women must likewise be worthy of respect, not malicious gossips, but self-controlled thoroughly, trustworthy in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their households. For those who have served well as deacons gain a high standing, having a good reputation among the congregation and a great confidence in faith, which is founded on and centered in Christ Jesus. Now, as we go along and I begin, I'm going to begin to take a little bit of this apart. I'm not going to take adjective by adjective. Uh, You'll notice that I switch to the NASV. And uh, the reason I did that, number one, is because I went over there to look at, a, uh, at some of the phrasing that they use. Because the Amplified uses is straight off the authorized version, but they'll use a lot of different adjectives to get the point across, and it can be confusing. So the NASV tends to kind of keep it concise, and I think it's a whole lot easier for everybody to follow that way, Okay. So if you see me flip over, don't think I'm just giving you cliff notes. I'm just reading from a different version, all right? As I indicated earlier, the church at Ephesus is an example of a church that has allowed flesh to lead, placing the worth of their leadership in externals rather than in their calling by and through the Spirit of God and a determination to walk by the Spirit and live by faith. Basically, we are to be cautious about who we place in leadership. This is a calling that is put in the heart by the Spirit of God. It is not a calling of the flesh. It's not a calling of man. It's not a calling of affinities. It's not a calling of of talents. It is a calling by God. We're talking about, and I want to make it clear here, we're talking about the pastor's role. Okay? This is what we're talking about. 
that is not somebody that has a proclivity to, to handle religious things well. It's not about somebody that's able to make it through seminary with a doctorate. It's not about somebody who's talented, has good-looking hair. It's not about any of those things. I wouldn't be up here. It is about the call of God upon their lives. It is about the Spirit of God moving them to a point that they cannot get comfortable doing anything else. That is what it's about. But, you know, unfortunately today, I think it has become a career opportunity. I think it has become very flesh-centered. That's not what God intended. This is a calling that is put into the heart by the Spirit of God. It's not a passive interest. It's a spiritual passion that will not be denied. In the days of Paul, a true calling to be a pastor, teacher, or deacon was not a popular calling. It cost something to stand out declaring the truth. Now, notice I said the true calling. Because there were people who were opportunists. They followed Paul around. You see that in, in the Word. These guys were opportunists looking to create a power, uh, a sense of power and financial backing for themselves. They were not there representing God. They were there representing themselves. And you know what? You'll find those people have very little opposition. Gee, I wonder why. Well, that's because... They are friends with the enemy. They represent his interest. So, let's look at verse 1. This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. If any man eagerly seeks the office of overseer, bishop, superintendent, he he desires an excellent task. Now, what the Spirit is saying is that the Spirit considers this to be a privilege. To be set apart by the Spirit of Christ to lead His body is a calling that is noble and worthy. It is a calling to live a yielded life that will manifest the Spirit's leading, the shepherd's leading. A call to a passionate, determined faith that seeks to bring the unvarnished truth of God before the people of God. To declare the Word of God by the Spirit of God. It's not a calling of flesh, but a calling to be transparent before the people of God so that they may hear and know the truth. And God considers this an excellent task, a noble task. As I said before, far too often in the modern assembly, leaders are democratically elected and commended to the body on externals, credentials, and fleshy talents. This is not a biblical model. Apostles were the first elders of the early church, and they were chosen by who? Jesus. The words bishop, elder, overseer, and pastors are used interchangeably. Remember that. They are used interchangeably in the New Testament. The whole definition of bishop that you hear nowadays is not biblically based. It is based in religion and man's pride, really. Yes, a bishop or a pastor or a overseer or a leader might oversee more than one church. Might preach at more than one church. They may travel and preach. Remember the days where they would have one preacher that would go from place to place preaching. But bishop is not somebody who stands over a denomination or stands over a group of churches and rules with a heavy hand or a supreme hand. That is 
That is somebody else's definition. It's not God's. You can call him pastor or you can call him bishop. And the number of churches he he preaches at or rules over, if you will, makes no difference. None. Now, I know I'm probably going to give somebody heartburn with that, but that's the way it is. They can challenge it in the Greek if they want to, but that's the truth of it. So, office of overseer, bishop, superintendent, elder, all of those are a pastor. This is considered by uh, the Spirit of God to be a privileged position. The uh, apostles stood and selected the first through the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God through others, and so on, selected pastors of churches. So that we understand, we're going to be addressing the qualifications of both the pastor and the deacon. And as I said, there are many titles to various roles, but we're only going to address those two. Now, the pastor's qualifications are in verses 1 through 7, and the qualifications for a deacon are in verses 8 through 13. So it kind of splits it up. All right, verse 2. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. A pastor must be above reproach. That is, though, even though he may be accused, because the accuser never shuts up, right? Pastor's going to be accused. He lives in such a way that his innocence is evident to all. In other words, they really got to dig to find something. The husband of one wife. Now, it is literally translated in the Greek as a one-woman man. Now, I want you to understand something, because this has been so abused. He is not talking about marriage. He's not talking about divorce. He's not talking about either one of those. He's talking about purity. The whole context is about sexual purity. That's what it's addressing. The husband of one wife. It's about marriage, about, it's not about marriage or divorce, it's about sexual purity and morality. Prudent, exercising sound judgment in regards to his personal life. Now, I want to go back to that other thing about the marriage. Many, many of them say they've got to be married to be in leadership. Well, that would have caused, tossed Paul out on his ear, right? Would that have worked? No. You see... They, they want to establish standards that they can see quite clearly and, and not have to rely upon the Spirit of God to give them as much direction in this thing. This has nothing to do with that. Because we've all known married men that didn't act like married men. Right? That, doesn't, that does not make sure that a man is going to be moral. What he's talking about is a man that is pure and operates in purity. Prudent, exercising sound judgment in regards to his personal life. They are worthy of respect of those who know them. And the Greek here means orderly. And he is welcoming of others. And he seeks to be accepting, able to teach, to bring forth the word of God via the spirit of God. All of these reflect a balance of the soul that can only be maintained by the spirit of God. You see that? This is not self-discipline. What is self-discipline anyway? Well, it's the discipline of self. Is that really something we need as a qualification? 
Self-discipline in its proper application is the yielding of who we are to the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God can move through us and we can walk in obedience. That's what it is. It's obedience. This is not self-discipline. This is walking by the Spirit. Self-discipline may reward you with the respect of others and may give you many other benefits, but it is not the ministry of Christ. I've known a lot of people who've had strong self-discipline. They uh, you know, were able to do things that I could only think about doing, but I didn't get the impression that it was just about Jesus. Their confidence was in their self. They had plenty of self-confidence. Not addicted to too much wine. Not addicted to wine. Now that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It means a pastor or an elder must not be given to drunkenness or have a reputation as a drinker. He should not allow something other than the spirit to have control of his soul or become his preoccupation. Now I want to add something else. When you look at this, is there any way that could mean that uh, could prove that the wine that they drank back then didn't have alcohol in it. Now, I've heard that. And usually there's some somebody of my former denomination trying to push that across. But it's obviously wine with alcohol in it. Or it wouldn't be a problem. So he says, don't be given to wine. In other words, don't surrender your soul to wine. To the degree that the spirit of alcohol to the degree that you are yielded to alcohol you're yielded to the flesh thank you for joining us for his life revealed with pastor todd granger this program is the radio ministry of his life fellowship in san antonio texas if you'd like to know more about us visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on facebook at his life fellowship We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.